guys, we have reached the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We have, uh, we have, I don't know if that's like a yay rah or what. <laughs> We've reached the end of Jesus' sermon. Uh, no, we, we have, we are here at the end and we have traveled and journeyed through Matthew and, and these last three, these three chapters, five, six, and seven of Jesus' um, Sermon on the Mount. And boy, has it not been rich to hear the words of Jesus and how he teaches us to live our lives. And um, so we are, we're here at the, the end of his, uh, the tail end of, his uh, sermon on on the mountain. What Jesus has been doing as he's closing down his message, he has given us some things to consider, and he's been doing them in groups of two. He's been doing them in groups of two. If you back up just a little bit toward the back end of his message, the first thing we'll find is he talked about two types of gates. There's the narrow gate, and there's the wide gate, the narrow gate and the wide gate. And he says that few find the narrow gate. And as we talked about here, we believe that the the wide gate, those who choose the wide gate, the wide path, it's not just necessarily about sin, though you will find yourself in sinful patterns on that wide road. And that wide road will always lead to destruction. But on the narrow road, not only do you find yourself living in right standing with God, but you find the pathway to abundant life. And isn't it abundant life what we're seeking here on life? To seek to seek him and to have the life that Jesus offers us to find that on that narrow road. And so he offers us that choice. He says there's a narrow road and there is a wide road. And then he talks about two types of teachers. He talks about two types. He says there's a false teacher and there's a true teacher. And we uncovered that there are false teachers among us today. There are false teachers among us today. Church, if anyone tells you that you do not have to change your life in order to follow Christ, they are a false teacher. They are a false teacher. To follow Jesus Christ and to make him the Lord of your life requires you to change. And he gives you the ability and the strength to do so. So he talks about gates and he talks about teachers and then he talks about types of fruit and he talks about bad fruit and good fruit. Bad trees only bear bad fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. What is the evidence of a life lived with good fruit? Well, we find it over in Galatians chapter five. The fruit of the spirit is, let's say it together, love, joy, wait, Love, joy, peace. Let's act like we're actually Jesus-loving Christians here that actually have this in operation in our life. Okay, here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Got a little quiet on that last one. The evidence, the fruit of a life of one who has chosen the narrow road that listens to the true teachers, the fruit, the evidence, the good fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence you are walking by the Spirit. Jesus continues and he talks about two types of people. Two types of people, a true disciple and a false disciple. And he tells us over in Matthew uh, chapter 7 in the verse above it in, in 21, he tells us a little bit about those who do not or who actually choose to call him Lord, but do not live the way he tells them that we should live, that they should live. We learn that his lordship protects us from things we cannot see and do not understand. 
I brought up that Psalm 27 is a, uh, Psalm 27, Psalm 23 is a very powerful Psalm. And we talk about the Lord is my shepherd. Who's the shepherd? The Lord. The Lord is our shepherd. And if he is your shepherd, look at these awesome benefits we get by following the shepherd, Jesus Christ. He cares for me, provides, he sustains, he restores, he guides and protects, he covers and comforts, he encourages and strengthens, and he gives purpose and he fills me up. Can any of you use any of that this morning? The good shepherd offers all of that when we acknowledge him and live our life as if he is our Lord. Is he your Lord? His Lordship is not about your performance. It's about relationship. Look over here uh, what he says in 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 the little section right before he closes this out. He says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I, says Jesus, will tell them plainly, he says this, I never knew you. I never knew you. What a sobering thought that Jesus Christ would look someone in the eyes and say, I never knew you. Church, may we understand that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not about our performance. It says that they prophesied performance. They did miracles, performance. They cast out demons, performance, all in his name. And he said, I did not know you. It is about a relationship. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is about your relationship with the Lord. Do you know him? But more importantly, does he really know you? Does he really know you? It's a chilling statement, this statement. A sobering one, that one that should bring you and give you pause unless you emphatically know he's the Lord of your life. And so upon hearing this, Jesus concludes his sermon. And the reason I went through all of that is because he starts his sermon with a very important word. And that word is, therefore. And you know what you got to do when you see the word, therefore. You got to know what it's there for, right? And so now you know what it's there for. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say to close his sermon. Would you stand with me? We're going to read together with gusto. Look at your neighbor and say, with gusto. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock." But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for Justin's dance interpretation of the word this morning. I pray that it would settle into our hearts. I pray that it would get right down into the, to our, to our, just the depths of our soul and that it would transform us, Lord. Let us be ones whose lives are built on a firm foundation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I was almost distracted and lost you guys because I saw all of this over there and I was like, oh, that's Justin Bashir's. Wow. <laughs> it's called signing, he said. Okay. Jesus says, therefore, if anyone hears and does what I tell them to do, he is like, a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Right out of the gate, this begs a question. The question we should ask after we read this, this part of the, the, the sermon on the mount is, how do I build my house on the rock? How do I build my house on this rock? And that's going with the assumption that you want your house built on a firm foundation. If you don't want your house built or your life built on a firm foundation, then this doesn't really matter but you're in a whole heap of trouble. But if you want your life built on a firm foundation, this is, a, this is an important question to ask. And here's the thing. Have you ever read the parables or the stories of Jesus and you kind of scratch your head and you're like, I don't know. It's kind of abstract. I don't really understand. Anybody, anybody like kind of get confused? Okay, for those who are, watch your words, Kevin. For those who, um, for, for those who are not as quick, Jesus says, I'm going to close this out in a very direct way, in a very direct way. The way to build your house on the rock is to hear what I say and do what I say. There's no interpretation. It's not abstract. It's concrete. Be hearers and doers of my word. That's what Jesus says. Easy to understand in that way, a little bit harder to actually do a little bit harder to actually do. These are my kids, beautiful kids, beautiful girls. Get it from their mom, it's great. They are uh, incredible. And who's a parent in this room? We had so many kids over here. Who's a parent? Raise your hand, both hands in there. Uh, congratulations, parents, on being a parent. You guys are great parents, okay? And I know that your kids are perfect and mine are not, but so, so, so forgive me while I share a little bit of what happens in my household. You know. There comes this point in my house when it's just like, I look at myself and I go, am I even speaking English? Am I, as, as, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, right? I will say, Nora, go put on your shoes. And she will look at me and say, yes, sir. And she will go right over to where the shoes are. And somehow between my saying, go put on your shoes and her making it to the shoe bin, it translated as go grab some chalk and go outside and draw on the ground. And I go out there and I say, Nora, what are you, what, what's going on? Did you not hear me? Did you not hear me? And she always says, yes, I heard you. Then I go, why are you not, and fill in the blank, putting on your shoes? And I realized I'm asking the wrong question. 
Instead of asking, did you hear me? I need to say, are you doing what I told you to do? See, we're really good at hearing the words of the Lord. And we can get ourselves in that gray space when we can answer the question that's not really being asked. Did you not hear Jesus tell you to be kind to that person? Well, yeah, I heard him. Are you doing it? That's the real question. That's the real question. Because if you're a parent, you probably have said this to your kids a million times. Hearing is not the same thing as doing. Hearing is not the same thing as doing. And guys, I have to tell you, friends, those who follow the Lord in this place, hearing is not the same thing as doing. If you want to build your house, your life on the rock of Christ Jesus, the qualifiers are two things, hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. Over in James, it says this. I should have fixed this, sorry. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in his face, at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you know that it is okay for you, want, you to want to be a blessed person? The God of all the universe is interested in blessing you. How do I know? Do you realize that we started this series with blessed, 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 blessed? But similarly, how I'm not in the position to really wanna bless Nora when she's out there with the sidewalk chalk, God's not that much interested in blessing his kids who do not obey. But if you're a parent in this place and your kid does what you've asked them to do, it's a joy to give, is it not? It's a joy it's a joy, and guys, that's exactly how your heavenly father responds to obedience. He says, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. I've told this story before. There was a girl, I think she was about 28. I heard this story. Um, I have to qualify that. Uh, there was a girl who's about 28 years old. Her name was Susan, I believe, and she was blind. And uh, so she's on the second story of an apartment living with her dad because of her condition. And her dad had gone up to the store to get some groceries. And while he was gone, the apartment complex caught on fire. And so she did everything she knew to do to fill her way out to the balcony uh, to be outside of the burning uh, fire that was happening in the interior of the building. And so the policemen and the fire department came and there was no way that she could go back into the building. And so they got that big tarp sheet out and they were encouraging her to jump. And they were shouting at her, jump, jump, right now, jump. And she wouldn't budge. They called her dad and her dad heard that there was a fire and he got in his car right away and he, he zoomed to get to the apartment. And when he got there, he flew open his door and he ran up and he said, Susan, jump. And immediately 
she took off and jumped over the ledge. Why did Susan jump for her father, but didn't jump for everybody else? It was because she knew her father's voice. She knew and trusted her father's voice. And might I tell you that you are in a heap of danger when you are listening to every other voice but your father's voice. But your father's voice. So many of us not only are listening to voices that are not him, but we participate in the voice to others. And God encourages us to listen only to his voice because his voice will save your life. Do you know the Father's voice? Do you know the voice of the Lord? Now, we like a good formula as Christians. We like this, we like a tidy, good formula. So I'm gonna give you one today. Hearing plus doing equals wisdom. If you hear the word of God and you do the word of God, you're wise. There's wisdom in that. Let me give you another formula. Hearing alone is foolishness. Dare I stay, stupidity. The word that's actually used there in scripture is the, I believe the Greek word for moron. You're a moron. Hearing and doing, hearing and doing, hearing and doing. I uh, took Spanish at good old Laverne High School and uh, I didn't learn anything. I, uh, well, let me tell you why I didn't, well, let me, tell, let me tell you why I didn't learn anything in Spanish in high school. When we got in there, I had full intention on learning Spanish. But at the beginning of the year, the teacher got up and said, I'm here to teach you as much as I know. And if you need help on the test or the quizzes or the bookwork, all the answers are right up here in the front of the room. And all you have to do is come and copy them down. I aced that class. And I didn't learn a thing. I didn't learn a thing. What was the point of me doing anything in a situation where I had access to all the answers and didn't have to exercise the muscle of studying or remembering or doing any of those things. I did not have a firm foundation leaving Spanish because when I got to freshman Spanish in college, I didn't know a thing. And praise the Lord, I had a Spanish teacher in college that said, we're gonna take you back to the basics. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God is so willing to take us back to the basics? when you've made the wrong choice, when you don't have your foundation firm, he says, hey, let's go back to the beginning. The prerequisite isn't for you to try to remember all that. No, let's wipe it out and let's start clean. Let's start fresh. I love a fresh start with the Lord. I love a fresh start with the Lord. A foundation is important. It's very important. You can sit and you can listen and you can hear all day long and leave here no better off than you were when you started. I've got a rock right here. I'm not gonna throw it at anybody. <laughs> this rock is hard. It's hard. I don't have to worry about the consistency of this rock changing. It is always going, it's going to be hard. It's going to be firm. If I walked around and put my coffee cup on this and walked around, I'm not going to have to worry about anything because it is firm. It is strong. But I also have a bucket of sand here. 
Sand is not quite like the rock, is it? The primary difference between the sand and the rock is that the sand can be manipulated. Come with me. Some of you, the reason you don't have a strong foundation is because you've been manipulating your foundation to match whatever it is you want instead of the truth of God's word. Every new opinion, manipulate the foundation. Every new idea, manipulate the foundation. Everything that feels good, manipulate the foundation. And if your foundation can be easily manipulated, then you have no leg to stand on when the storms of life come. They will destroy your life. But the word of God tells us that he never changes. God never changes, we do. I am often surprised. I am often surprised by people, especially Christians. But I am never surprised by the faithfulness of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. He does not change. And somebody in this room needs the reminder that the God that you have believed in, the God that moved on your behalf in the past, the God who was a part of that testimony is the same God as you are navigating the storm you're in today. He has not forgotten about you. He is with you. He is for you. He is not against you. And he will sustain you in the middle of your storm. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the firm foundation that he has given you, the firm foundation you have in Christ Jesus? Over in the book of John, it tells us, in the beginning was the word. He was from the foundations of, the t- of time and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He doesn't change. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. We can trust our God. No matter what, we can trust our God. And so Jesus tells us about some storms. He tells us about storms. Can I just submit to you today that a storm is not an if proposition, it is a when proposition. You are going to have a storm in your life. How many of you had a storm this week? No, how many had a storm this morning? Jesus promises us that we are going to have storms in our lives. So you can hang up the notion that just because you're a follower of Christ, you're not gonna have to walk through stuff because we are believers who are in the world, not of the world. But we still have to contend with the world. And so we're going to have storms. And he talks about the conditions of the storms, doesn't he? He talks about the rain. He says, when the rain comes down, what is the rain? Well, the rain is those situations that start to show themselves and make you uncomfortable. The rain starts to get on your dry clothes and you start to feel a little bit sticky. It's that anxiety that starts to set in. 
It's that depression that starts to kick in. It's that addiction that starts to kick in. It's this rain that comes down and starts to damper everything. It, it blocks the sun and it begins to become uncomfortable and cold and isolated and lonely. And you know what happens when it keeps raining? The floods start to rise. And what that means is as the floods rise, you begin to be in over your head. It begins to take over and everything around you begins to get wet and destroyed. And it seems to be out of control, even though you are praying and praying. And it doesn't seem like God is moving in your life in this moment. And you don't understand why it just keeps being wave after wave after wave. And you're standing there and the flood is rising and it comes over your head. And then he talks about the wind. And the wind is every voice of opinion to tell you what you should do, except for the thing that you were told to do in God's word. The winds of life come and, and they say, do this, move here. This is what you need to do. Or they come as an accuser. They come and say, if you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have done this, oh, shame on you for doing that. And everything in that storm is made up to test your faith. But the word of God tells us if we have a firm foundation, it does not matter how hard the hurricane storm is, your house will stand. Your life will stand. No matter how beaten and battered you've become, your house will stand. Over in the book of Isaiah, this is what it says in chapter 28. He says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Let me tell you something, believers. If you're a believer in the gospel in this place, you are not hurried into rushed decisions that alter your life. You are not needing to walk in anxiety to make a rushed, hurried decision to do something. You're not panicked into moving into a direction that might not be God because Christ is your foundation. And so when change comes in your life, guess what? He's giving you the strength to what? Be still and know that he is God. And as you are still and you know that he is God and you stop, stop uh, moving, his voice begins to speak to you. And then you begin to hear and then you can do. In order for us to hear him, guys, we've got to be still. We've got to stop moving. Check your spiritual hearing aid. Can you hear the voice of the Lord? What is it like to hear the voice of God? Where do we go to test whether what we think we're hearing is true? God's word will never, never go against his word. He will never go against this word. And in order to really know the character of God and to hear his voice, you've got to get in relationship with his word. The more you know about this, the more you're going to know that you're on the firm foundation because you are hearing correctly and you have the power to do. Sometimes man's ways seem like the right way, but there is a way that seems right to a man that leads to death and destruction. The Bible also tells us through the prophet of Isaiah, he says this, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This God Almighty who wants you to be blessed wants you to stand firm on his word. 
Listen to what he says and act upon what he tells you only, only. Fools are obsessed with storms because their foundation is weak. Only fools are obsessed with storms. I'll tell you what, I'm kind of foolish. When the storms come and those alarms go off and everybody's going to their panic room in the house, I go right outside. I'm trying to see that tornado. I want to see, I want to, I've not seen one in my life. I want to see a tornado, but I don't want that tornado to hit y'all's house or anything like that, okay? I just want to see it, you know? How foolish am I? Because here's the thing, one day the Lord's gonna say, you wanna see a tornado? Here it is, I'm like, oh God, I don't wanna see this tornado anymore, you know? (laughs) Fools are obsessed with storms and might I suggest that there are actually Christians who get a kick, a kick out of drumming up a storm in other people's lives. Because it gives us the next piece of juicy gossip allows us to be in the drama pool just a little bit. Allows us to have the upper hand because I told them what the word of God says, but you say, sure, surely didn't do that. The storms of life will never destroy anything built on a firm foundation. It will not destroy you if your life is built on a firm foundation. Now in a room this size, and you saw this morning when I invited people up here, in the room this size, there are people going through storms. Some of you are going through a storm that's on the horizon. You see it coming and you know it's gonna be a storm. You're about to walk into the storm. And some of you have hurricane winds facing you right now and it was everything you could do to get in here and fake a smile this morning. But I'm here to encourage you believers, if your life is built on the rock of Christ Jesus, the storm of your life will pass. It will pass. Now, it might pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass, okay? It's going to pass. You might have to feel some things, but it's going to pass. It's going to pass, and you can stand firm on the promise, God, I don't know how long this storm is going to last. No matter how much beaten and battered I become in it, Lord, I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be standing on you because you are the rock. You are the rock. All you need is the rock. All you need is the rock. Oh, my bad. Now here's the thing. Lord, help me. You can't take God's word and then slap something of the word on it, or world on it, and then go with it. You can't take the word, dilute it with the world, slap a title on it, and then say, I'm, I'm, I'm living as one who's following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because then you will be on a shaky foundation because the world changes all the time. But God never changes. He never changes this is the wrong rock. Please don't put your life on this rock. (laughs) Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? When I examine this portion of scripture and I go online, or if I've seen like placards or pictures in, in, in bathrooms or in hallways, I see pictures. You ever seen like a picture like this? There's the house on the rock and, and the waves, or maybe it's like this. 
Like there's the house on the rock and it's, and it's firm. Or here's another one. This one actually has a storm connected with it, but your house is firm because it's on the rock. And, and all these pictures, you know, do the, do the scripture justice. I mean, it, it is the rock, it is firm, it is the storm, all of those things. But there's one glaring problem that I see when I look at these pictures. We have neighbors. You have neighbors. I've never seen this portrayed with a bunch of houses on a rock. It's always one house. Let me tell you something. I can build my house on the rock of Lord Jesus Christ if I don't have to deal with anybody else. That's easy. If I don't have to be patient with people, long suffering, forgiving, I, can, I, build, I will have a mansion on the rock. There will be no problem. But the problem is, is I have a neighbor and I don't even like my neighbor. And this neighbor on this side, their foundation is not even sand. It's like water and slush. And how they live their life affects me. Because when the storm hits their life, the debris of that tornado flings some stuff and crashes into my windows. And then I'm upset. And I want to be like, you should have had a firm foundation. So there. <laughs> we don't have a firm foundation to gloat over those who don't. We have a firm foundation so that when others are going through the storm, you have the ability to pull them up and say, let me show you what God has done in my life. It's not a my accord because I was right where you are in that pit, but God came along and saved my life. And I'm on this firm foundation. I don't understand everything he does. But I can tell you right now, if all of this goes away, I'm standing on a firm foundation and you can too. And you can too. You have neighbors. You are not alone. And the firm foundation is for everybody. Everyone who hears and does what Jesus says will have their life built on the rock. So, what is it that Jesus is telling us to do? I started with the question this morning, how do I build my house on the rock? And I'm gonna give you Two things, two very specific things. I know there's a lot of little details if you read through uh, Jesus' sermon, but I believe that if you do these two things and you do them to the full, I believe that your life will be one, lived on the rock. Love God and love people. I didn't say love God after your opinion about him, love people after all of, no. Love God, period. Love people, period. Even the unlovable. And if you're doing these two things, which you can't do without the strength of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, if you're doing these two things, yeah, you'll be on a firm foundation. Chris Mincy, many of you know his story, he was, uh, he was in the hospital right before Easter time. And uh, Chris was on his last, I mean, he was, he was, we were making arrangements. Let's just put it that way. We were starting to think that Chris was not going to make it. And it was a dire situation. 
Can I tell you that Chris is still alive today and he is here today right now? Come on out here, Chris. <laughs> I love you, Chris. I love you, man. Man. If anyone in this room has a reason to complain about the storms in our lives, it's Chris Menzi. But as long as I've known Chris, I've only known Chris to love God and to love people. Chris's number one thing that he wants to do outside of loving God is spend time with you. And Chris's life is built on the firm foundation of Christ, which allows him, affords him the ability and the strength that after going through one of the biggest storms and multiple storms that are likened, don't get me wrong, but the major storm of knocking on death's door and to come out here on stage and to sing a song whose words say, some glad day, some glad day, when this life is over, I'm gonna fly away and be with Jesus. I'm gonna fly away and be with Jesus. You know that you've arrived on that firm foundation when being with him is of greater importance than anything you're building here. So Chris is gonna close us out today and you're gonna stand and we're gonna celebrate life today on a firm foundation. Can we sing together? Let's go. Oh, some glad morning when this life is over, I fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I fly away. Oh, I fly away. I fly away.
Oh, what it would be if we would be believers in what we say we believe, that we would be doers of what we say we believe, that we would hear and do so that our lives could be built on the firm foundation. Guess what? It's your choice. It's your choice. Narrow road, wide road. Bad fruit, good fruit. False teacher, true teacher. Firm foundation or a weak one. It's your choice. Amen? Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ give us the courage and strength we need to cultivate a firm foundation and not just be hearers, but be doers of the word as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, Springhouse.